Hey guys, what's up? I quickly wanted to record this episode about publishers as it's one of the most common questions that I get asked from the community. Now, a quick disclaimer, my experience with publishers are generally focused on K, J and C pop, generally pop music based in Asia. And when it comes to the West, my knowledge is not so sharp. So this is from my own experiences and what I've gone through over the last few years with publishers. And I just want to be direct about this. Publishers, A&Rs, other writers, they're only going to want to work with someone who they feel has the chops, who is good enough, but also someone who is an absolute delight to work with. (laughs) Those are the two most important things. You've got to have the skill, you've got to be good enough, and you've got to be a good person to work with. It's really that simple. You know, even if you've got a chance to pitch to a publisher, if your songs aren't there, they're not going to be interested. I learned that the hard way, especially when I was starting out. And you'd be lucky if you got a response because I just got ghosted. It sank 40 hours into a track one week. I remember this. 40 hours into one track while trying to juggle a retail job. Heard nothing back. They didn't even tell me this isn't what we're looking for or no. <laughs> I, just, I was just left to figure it out myself. And that's very hard to take. Like really, really hard to take. It is like being punched in the stomach. So how can you get a publishing deal? This is the question. The million dollar question. In all honesty... It's not how can I get that publishing deal, but how can I improve as a writer? That would be the priority first. A publishing deal is kind of jumping to the finish line without taking part in the race uh, and trying to find the quickest shortcut to the end. Now, I get it. I asked a few people in the community, you know, what's so attractive about it? Why, Why is it so important and why do people really want one? And the response I got was people felt that it was the way into the k-pop industry which is true absolutely true but there are other ways into it also another thing they mentioned is that they would get hooked up with say top liners or you know songwriters focused on the vocal uh, and put into cool teams and whatnot which is true that is all true and you get to be part of a community as well in a small way depending on the publisher's size you know you can get some very big vast publishers versus some small intimate teams so that is true and that is all good that is all true but don't forget the core reason we want a publisher is someone to collect our publishing (laughs) then generally they would do a great job of fighting your corner and representing you as an artist to these people now you've got to remember that there are other ways into this industry from what i've seen for example i've turned up to networking events in london at tile yard for example a very cool place to be in london if you're a songwriter or artist uh, but at one of their networking events i met a korean a&r she represented cj entertainment and a few other companies and she was always asking you know can you get me tracks do you know of any producers we can send leads to and she was just a freelancer working in the industry looking for tracks the same way as a publisher would Uh, now admittedly they're a bit different they wouldn't really collect your publishing and they probably would know people but it's a step in the right direction so to speak and working with an AR directly that could be a way into the industry if we're going strictly on that another example is through my YouTube channel I was directly messaged by an in-house producer for some Korean companies and so there's also you know you could go down the content route and and build a a name up and a brand up that way and and have people reach out to you there's also been other times where people have reached out to me on other social media platforms who are part of bigger writing teams who don't even need publishers they just go direct to the label so there's that way as well working with other writers who just see potential in you and like you and want to work with you 
So there are a few ways, even though publishing seems to be the most popular route, there are other ways to do it. So let's be clear about the different types of publishing teams, and I can only talk from experience what I've seen. So you have teams that generally go for more of a bigger volume of writers, just because they've got more people that they can access and pitch songs to. And then you've got the kind of opposite approach, where it's a bit more of a smaller, intimate team. Publishers at their core are meant to collect your publishing and effectively fight your corner as a writer and represent you as a writer to these companies. Now, optional things that they can do, but generally you hear a lot of, is that they hook you up with top liners who are, for people who don't know, a top liner is a songwriter who is focused purely on the vocal uh, and then that way it's in their everyone's interest because then they get more songs finished and then they can send them off to the entertainment companies or record labels now another optional thing that i'm very grateful for with my publishing deal is that they can provide mentoring and guidance and helping you improve as a writer but you've got to see it from the publisher's point where they often will get a lot of emails from people going, can you act as a middleman and send my song off to the label? Now, some publishers are fine with that, but for other publishers, it is a case of, well, why would they do that? <laughs> you know, uh, they would expect some sort of loyalty from you as a writer and they would love for you to commit to them because why would they sink extra time into some random person only to leave them with the information they've given them and, and go and do something else or go work with another you know competitor? So you've got to see it from a publisher's standpoint as well. They don't want to sink the time into you if you're only going to leave like a week later. And I experienced this quite a lot as well. This mentality of people who just go, well, give me this thing. I want this thing. One of the better ways to approach people in this way is to actually to put the other person first all the time. Most people don't do that. So if you put the other person first and lead the conversation with, hey, I appreciate this thing that you've done or this was awesome. Is there anything I can do to help you out? Or do you mind if I share your win on my platforms because I think it's dope? You're already going to be 90% in front of the majority of people you're already going to be in the top 10 percent of people because you're just thinking of the other person first and publishers are no different this is generally just a social networking scenario you know you don't go to these things or you don't approach people to make contacts you go to make friends you go to make meaningful connections so let's talk about splits with publishers and writers because this is another very common question that i get from people Generally with publishers, it can range from about 30% their cut to 20%. This is what I've seen. And I've seen some publishers who are very generous and only want to take 10%. If it's over 30%, generally I would have a bit of a red flag about that. And I would dig deeper as to why it is higher than 30%. But this is just what I've experienced in my own publishing deals and talking to other people. I have heard situations where publishers will take writers' music that aren't signed exclusively to them, and to compensate for that, they'll take a little bit more of a percentage. That's the only time I see it happening. And and to be fair, like yeah, I totally understand. That's a fair that's a fair thing as well, in my opinion. <laughs> when it comes to writers, there's two sort of monies that we like to split it up into. Look at it as the track and then the sort of performance of the track. 
So there's two monies that we split it up into. We've kind of got the front end and the back end. Generally, the back end would be the royalty split. So royalties is when you make money for your track being played in a, a public space, like a radio, TV show, or live show, uh, DVD, this sort of thing. We would split that, and then you have the actual track production, which is the music side of it, and the actual track itself before the vocal. So, for example, uh, if I was to produce a track with two different top liners, it would have track production, a Zodi, 100%, and then you would have the splits. Writer A gets 33.3%, writer B gets 33 0.3% and you know and a Zodi gets 33.3% or sometimes people will just go 33 33 34 okay uh, and the reason we do that in my opinion and why I like to do it that way is just to keep the relationship intact the money should really be coming kind of as a secondary or tertiary thing but I personally want to keep that relationship going with that person having the right chemistry with writers is so important and I do not want to jeopardize that in any way. So that's why I'm always trying to keep it as fair as possible. And that kind of, for me, was even back when I was in a band like a decade or so ago. Even though I figured that, you know, I would write a lot of the music with the singer, I would still split the royalties 25% even with the bass player and the drummer because I wouldn't. I saw it as we're all in this together. It should always be equal. Uh, and also I felt that I would not be in this position now where I'm getting to write with these big writers and have these opportunities if it wasn't for the entire team, the entire band. I wouldn't be in this position. So I wanted to keep it fair as possible and compensate for that. That kind of has been my mentality since day one. And even with writing in K-pop, it's exactly the same. I generally would get a bit of a red flag if a writer started trying to off the bat negotiate more than an equal split i think that's generally a red flag for me because everyone's pulling their weight everyone's doing the work now generally if people can be like a little do a little bit less work i have a, a producer that i co-produce with a fair amount of my songs and sometimes i'll just throw him an idea a bare skeleton of an idea and he'll produce the full track even though he's done more work it'll still be 50 50 because i know uh, the next song, most likely, I'm probably going to write more and he only has to do like a rough sort of mix with a couple of uh, tweaks as opposed to fleshing out an entire track. And this is kind of a mutual thing that we've had going and we've been writing together for about three years now and it kind of, it works. And that's why chemistry is so important. That's why relationships so important. So I can't really teach you how your relationships are going to work with other writers, but I do believe that at its core, just think of the relationship first. Think of money second or tertiary. Like, it's really important to keep that chemistry going. And believe me, man, when money gets bigger and more money gets put on the table, people do tend to slightly change. So it's always good to just keep it at its core fair as possible. It is your own journey and your own story. So you do what you think is best. Another point that came up in the voice chat was how can we get access to leads from these record labels? Now, leads are kind of cool, but at the same time, they're all they are are a beacon of light from the record label. That's how I would look at it. Generally, a lead is they will send out an email going, this artist wants X sound, uh, send it in by this date. 
here are some ideas, here's the musical direction we want to take it in. Now, the reality is of these, you get to pitch to your favorite groups, which is exciting. But at the same time, they generally are more of a representation of what the label is looking for at that period of time more than anything. So people kind of want to crush it and get it in by this deadline and work insane, toxic work hours, right? Now, I I don't really agree with that. And what happens is, as well with that, is people end up rushing the track or trying to get the song in for the deadline and end up jeopardizing the quality of the song. Now, the thing is, if the song's great and you miss that deadline, it's always going to be able to be pitched elsewhere to another group. And uh, there's been multiple accounts when I've tried to get it in and miss the deadline and then the song's been put on hold with other companies and other groups. So that's another thing as well. Leads are generally just a representation of what the A&Rs are looking for at the company. But reality is, it's just kind of like, yeah, write a few songs in that style and see where they go. Don't beat yourself up if you don't make the deadline. Don't beat yourself up if it's not perfect because this is all a learning process. And remember, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's the people who stick at it the longest who win. All right, cool. So the last point I kind of want to talk about is generally managing expectations with K-pop pitching and publishing. Now, to put it into perspective, generally the producers who make the tracks will get less cuts than the top liners simply because top liners can fire out more quicker. But to counter that, they generally make a little less money because it's all on the back end royalties, which comes in later. You do get those sort of unicorn producers who can do both. Uh, and they are just winning. <laughs> they're doing very well. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot more risk on their end because they're sinking a lot more time into the production than either top line and producer would. Unless they're very, very, very good, um, they're not going to see any sort of returns financially for quite some time. And oh yeah, let's not even talk about the emotional energy that that's going to take. To give you a rough idea, I have been on and off with K-pop for about a decade. My first attempt was after Kandam Style came out in 2012 and there was an influx of K-pop demands and leads from Western uh, publishers and that's how I got into it initially. And um, I tried a few tracks, got nowhere, gave up, went and back and did video game composition and film scoring. Then what happened a few years later, I tried again, failed, went away. Then I tried again in 2018 and I finally landed something and got a publishing deal a few months later after doing that track. So let's let's count from that point in the start of 2018, which is almost coming up to four years now. So right now, I'm currently coming up to about 90 finished songs that are in circulation. And I got my first cut when I had about whew, 83, 84 songs. It took three and a half years, just over three and a half years to get my first cut. That is my story. And that's how long it took me. And I was fairly consistent with it pretty consistent with it i was on average putting out about a song a week maybe a song every two weeks once the top line was done and everything now i am a producer i don't top line i can give you stories where other producers i've i know it took them five years to get their first cut i know some other top liners who took three years or five years who are very well established top liners now Uh, I know producers who I've talked to who got a cut straight off the bat and then spent the next two, three years trying to get their second cut. Um, So there is no real right or wrong way or time limit 
everyone is different, but this is the sort of managing expectations part of this podcast. There's no shortcut. There's no quick win. It is about grafting and having just volume, like sheer number of tracks and good quality tracks. You could have a hundred tracks, but are they any good? So you learn as a byproduct of doing volume and producing so many songs, as a byproduct of that, your quality goes up. This is something to help you manage your expectations as well as I do. I'm not a huge advocate of hyping stuff up. I prefer to just be honest and direct. And a lot of the times those answers, a lot of people aren't going to want to hear. Short term, that could be discouraging, but I also want to motivate you uh, and give you realistic expectations of how much work is involved and keep you going. Because I've been through that before where I had a whole dream sold to me and you're so hyped and you're so excited. And in the short term, that is great. Long term, when you realize that half of that stuff isn't true or it's not what you were told it would be or how you thought it would be, uh, it becomes much more damaging in the bigger picture. I look at it as you're building your mind on a foundation of rock as opposed to sand. And I think that's a good place to start. So lastly, I want to say the most important thing out of all of this, all the things that potentially could happen and could not happen, you must have fun. You must enjoy this entire process because having fun is going to get you through all the low points. It's going to get you through all the high points uh, and it just keeps you grounded and it keeps you feeling this deep satisfaction and joy from your work. I would not be here today without enjoying the process still. And it's easy to get sucked into the politics and social media numbers and what people are doing and what everyone's presenting online. But at its core, you must have fun. You know, you're turning up on a rainy Wednesday morning in your Shrek slippers and you're switching on your computer and you're there in front of Cubase just trying to create something awesome for people to enjoy please rate and subscribe review uh i'm still quite new to this podcasting thing reach out via email it's a zodi triple zero at gmail.com if you want to join the k-pop producer discord community we have monthly producer challenges where i get to review all of your music on a twitch stream you can join via the links thanks so much guys and i'll catch you in the next episode Thank you.